0: Hello, Convention of State podcast listeners. Normally, we reserve this channel for audio versions of our live broadcast COS Live and the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. But as a bonus, we like to occasionally release some historic legacy audio for your enjoyment. This 2019 speech features Lieutenant Colonel Alan West speaking before a group of Convention of State supporters in Mississippi. Now I have the honor of introducing somebody who really doesn't need an introduction. As I travel around with them, And as we walk through the Capitol, you see all the people who recognize his face and people who stop him and they want pictures with him. And there's a reason. And he and I were actually talking about this a little bit. He's a very humble guy and I appreciate his humility more than I could possibly even express. You know, we see a lot of folks in Washington DC that hold themselves up as leaders. We see that in state houses around the country too. people put themselves up on a pedestal as leaders. But true leadership, as we know it, true leadership is all about service, right? Being a servant leader, that's a different thing, and it's a much more difficult thing to be honest with you, and it's something that you can't pretend, like you can't behave or try to behave like a servant leader unless that's in your heart. And so it is my true honor and privilege to introduce you to my good friend, to a man who is the personification of servant leadership, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West.
1: Thank you. Thank you so very much, Mark, and it's a pleasure and an honor to be here with you all in the Mississippi State Capitol with these incredible state representatives and state senators that have come together to talk about something that's so important for the future and the legacy of this constitutional republic. You know, it's sad that we don't teach civics too well in our schools today and most people don't understand what it means to live in a republic. And Mark talked about something, and I just want to show you, Mark, there's my pocket constitution. (laughs) And the thing when you look at this little pocket constitution, it's falling apart. If you want to come up and check it out, it's underlined, it's highlighted, and that's why it has the paper clip on it. Because there was something that happened through four generations in my family. Words that we all spoke. And those words were that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same and that I take this oath with no purpose of evasion, so help me God." My father said those words as he went off to fight in World War II. My older brother said those words as he went off as a Marine infantryman to fight in Vietnam. On 31 July 1982, I had the privilege and the honor to say those words. And my nephew, who is currently serving in the United States Army as a major, as a paratrooper, as an artillery officer like his dumb old uncle. He said those words as well. And so that's why I'm here in Mississippi, because what we're talking about is just doing that which we say we take an oath to each and every day. What we're talking about is the thing that binds us together, our rule of law, our constitution. And when you think about the incredible intellect and prescience of the founding fathers, as they wrote Article 1, 2, and 3, and 4 to think about, as Mark said, how do we keep this thing called the federal government within the constraints that we have written here in this document? He said, this is why we need the Article 5. The Article 5 means that the enumerated powers that are not specifically to the federal government, as it says in Amendments 9 and 10 of the Bill of Rights, they go to the people. They go to the states. But having served up there in Washington DC on Capitol Hill, I will tell you that the last thing that many representatives and senators up there on that Capitol Hill think about is each and every one of you. If we don't get this federal government to understand that the power in the United States of America, in this republic, under the understanding of a system called federalism, is with the states and with the people, then we will lose this great republic then we will have said to all of those generations that have borne the cost of wars, that have made the ultimate sacrifice, that have done as Abraham Lincoln said, gave the last full measure of devotion to this great nation, their sacrifices would have been in vain. This is why I'm here. This is why you're here. Because the power in this country is not in Washington, D.C. It's actually not even right here in this state capital. The power is in each and every one of you. And here's the opportunity for you to choose who you shall empower to govern you, not rule over you. When I look at the fiscal situation here in the United States of America, it's very simple. 49 out of 50 states in the United States of America must balance their budgets. That's why these representatives and these senators are here in this state, and that's what their number one focus is, is to make sure they're balancing that budget. But if you go a few hundred miles north and east of here, there's a federal government that does not have to balance their budget. There's a federal government that does not want to balance their budget. There's a federal government that continues to push more unfunded mandates and liabilities down on a state which affects each and every one of you in your walk in life because they have to balance this budget. They have to meet the financial needs of this state. You have to exercise your power. You have to make sure that you say to all of those men and women that have stood on freedom's ramparts that our Constitution is still relevant, that our Constitution is still important, that our Constitution is still the rule of law in the United States of America. And those people that don't want to adhere to the Constitution, those people that don't want to do sorry, what is right, then they need to be called down. Because there are too many young men and young women that are still to the day taking that oath to support and defend the Constitution of the greatest nation that the world has ever known. And we need to back them and show them that we appreciate their service and sacrifice. Historically, a lot of people, as Mark said, they want to talk about, well, this is something where we're going to undermine the Constitution. This is not a constitutional convention. This is not what they did after the Articles of Confederation. This is an opportunity for you, we the people, through your state legislatures, to exert your voice, to exert your power, so that we can get the balance right in the United States of America, because the balance is supposed to be with our states. Too many people make the, well, the mistake of saying the United States of America. It's not correct. It's these United States of America, because that's what the founders wanted to have, the power in our states, because that's where the people are. Your challenge is to go in and, as Mark said, with humility in your heart and a cordial voice Inspire these elected officials to do what's right. Inspire them to stand up for the Constitution. Inspire them to make sure that we pass on a better America to the subsequent generations, which is what this country has always been about. In 240, almost three years, we have passed on something greater. And let me close by saying this. Before there was an America, in June of 1775, there was an army. Before there was an America. In October of 1775, there was a navy. Before there was an America. In November of 1775, there was a United States Marine Corps. Now the army let the air force go off and you know play their own game, and we used to call them the army air corps. So, but God bless them anyhow. <laughs> but the point is this. America is not just some geographic piece of land, it's an ideal. It's something that we knew had to be defended before we put it on paper. That is what you are called to do. Defend this ideal of liberty, of freedom, of democracy, of individual and state sovereignty, and federalism. May God bless the great state of Mississippi, May God bless you all, and may God bless these United States of America. Thank you.
0: If I can ask my
1: legislative colleagues to come up here uh, with us, it is the habit and the tradition of the Mississippi Legislature to recognize, to honor, and to commend great Mississippians and great Americans. And I think we would all agree that that Colonel West's service to this country, both in the military and the Congress and what he's doing now, uh, warrants just such a recognition. We are very proud of the job
0: you've done and the job you are doing. And on behalf of the uh, Mississippi House of
1: Representatives, we'd like to offer you this resolution. Wow. Again, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here with you. And your hospitality is, is truly, that's what we're known at for as Southerners. And thank you for welcoming me once again back to Jackson, Mississippi. I'm not going to go back and repeat what I said back at the, um, at the little press conference. If you weren't there, you didn't miss anything. But if you were there, you know what I said. But what I want to talk to you about is how I presented my closing argument to the Lieutenant Governor. Because I want you to know exactly what I said to him. And then you can ascertain the measure of the man. But I looked at him again and I, I said that as I travel all across the United States of America, there's one thing that people continually ask about. And they ask, when will Republicans, when will these quote unquote leaders, elected officials that call themselves constitutional conservatives, when will they stand up and fight? I said, you got an opportunity to stand up and fight. And, you know, if you know the story of the Alamo, you know, I moved to Texas uh, five years ago, and that's one of the proud things about being a graduate from the University of Tennessee because we know where we earned that moniker, the volunteers. But on that day there at the Alamo, Travis drew a line in the sand. And he challenged people, which side of this line will you stand? And that's what we have to ask each and every one of ourselves each and every day. Which side of the line that you will stand upon? And I asked that kind of to the lieutenant governor. And the lieutenant governor looked at me and, you know, kind of gave me that typical politician look that was noncommittal. And then he started talking about, you know, this press conference and how he had a lunch conflict, and then all of a sudden he had a, you know, I have to be on the, the Senate floor, and I said, Lieutenant Governor? I'm only asking you for two minutes, two minutes, to show that you stand with the Constitution, to show that you stand with the people here in the great state of Mississippi. And the disappointment was that as we were there at that press conference, the lieutenant governor could not find two minutes. Now, I got to tell you something, I don't like it when people shirk their responsibility. I don't like that when people have misguided priorities. So what you have to do is step up. My 22 years in the United States Army taught me that there are five aspects to leadership. We call them the five C's. The first C is courage. Because sometimes, as Thomas Jefferson once said, in matters of style you swim with the current. But in matters of substance you stand like a rock. There are times when you have to stand for what is right. Even if it means that as the men of the 101st Airborne Division had as their motto in that docudrama miniseries from, uh, dadgummit, I just forgot the name of it, Band of Brothers. If you remember, it was Curahee. Curahee is a Cherokee word. Curakee stands for, means stands alone in English. So there they were in December of 1944, surrounded by the Nazi Germans in the dead of winter at Bastogne. And when the Germans asked them to surrender, the men of the 101st Airborne Division sent back a one-word reply, nuts. That's what courage means. What courage means is that on April the 19th of 1775, a few people came out of a tavern at Lexington Green and stood and took the field against the greatest military force that the world has ever known so that we can be here today. What courage means is that men put their names on a document, the Declaration of Independence, that signed their death warrant. What courage means is that you just stand up for what is right. And the other thing about courage is this. You got to be able to look at yourself at the end of the day in the mirror. And say that you did what was right. There's no applause. It's just you. That's one of the songs that I do like about from Michael Jackson, the man in the mirror. Because at the end of the day, it's not about your husband, your wife, your you know, brothers, sisters, anybody. It's just you looking in that mirror at the end of the day. And I just wonder if the lieutenant governor will be able to look at himself at the end of the day in the mirror, knowing that he couldn't find two minutes. That's not courage. That's not what built this country. The second C is competence. Because as some of us that serve in the military will tell you, no one follows a dumbass into a firefight, okay? <laughs> but when you listen to Mark and how he explained this thing called the Article 5 Convention of States, think about the fact that three men sat down. Madison, Jay, and Hamilton. They didn't have PowerPoint. They didn't have any computers. They couldn't make any charts or anything. They sat down with just their intellect and their competence to write and construct a document that has lasted over 200 some odd years. A document that is so perfect that they thought through every single thing that could possibly happen in this country. A document that today some people say, as I said, is irrelevant. At Syracuse University this week, a conservative student organization was not allowed to have their organization on Syracuse University because they asked for one thing. They asked for the members of that organization to support the Constitution. The leaders there at Syracuse University denied them because they said the Constitution was discriminatory and that the Constitution was non-inclusive. Look here right now. We're standing for a document that is inclusive. A document that it was not perfect, but it was enabled to be perfected. A more perfect union, which is in the preamble. The next thing about the five C's is commitment. I wonder if the lieutenant governor, what his commitment is to. Is it to himself? Is it to special interests? Or is it to the interest of the people of the great state of Mississippi and also to this constitutional republic? Because when we took that oath, when we took that oath, paratrooper, that oath does not have any statute of limitations. It does not end. And what I ask each and every one of you to do tonight when you go home, take that oath yourself. Stand with your loved ones. Raise your right hand and take an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and to bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That you take that oath with no purpose of evasion or mental reservation. So help you God. Because you don't need to be in the military to believe in our Constitution. You don't need to be a soldier, sailor, airman, marine, or coast guardsman to support and defend the document that binds us together. All you need to do is have it in your heart. And much the same as individual salvation, just profess it from your mouth. That's what I want you to do tonight. The fourth C is conviction. Because even if you're committed to something, you're going to get tested. And times may get a little tough. People may call you names. Are you convicted to stand up for the thing that you are committed to? The thing that you have studied and understand and gained and developed your competence do you have the courage to do it or are you going to shy away? Patrick Henry talked about this. And also that incredible man that wrote that pamphlet called The Crisis, Thomas Paine. He said, these are the times which try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis, You know, once upon a time, when I was somebody, I could, like, make you do push-ups for that. <laughs> I'll be damn. You know, I'm up here quoting Thomas Paine and dingy,
0: dingy, dingy, dingy.
1: That's jacked up. But the summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from his duties. But to those who will make a stand, they will deserve the love and admiration of all men and women. You can be committed to something, but that doesn't mean you're convicted to it. You know, someone may sit there and say, I support Article 5, but they couldn't find a conviction to come down for two minutes. And the last thing about the five C's of leadership is character. As my dad and mom taught me, as I teach my daughters, as I taught soldiers, character means doing what is right when no one's watching. So that at the end of the day, you can look at yourself in the mirror. So ask yourself about these elected officials. Before you give them your vote, which is a precious thing that men and women have fought and died so that you could have, who has the courage? Who has the competence? Who has the commitment, who has the conviction, who has the character? to stand up and say that they represent you. Put them to the test. Because I'm telling you right now, the person that's sitting in the office as the lieutenant governor of the great state of Mississippi, he failed that test for me today. And I'll just leave it at that. God bless you all.
0: Thank you. check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod. Thank you for listening.